When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch. Good morning. This is Yari Central. Welcome to the show. You're listening to 94.9 Main FM and I'm Sarah Bignall. This is the community radio show where we bring you the latest on Yowie research in Australia and we delve into the fascinating realm of Bigfoot, Sasquatch and cryptozoology from here and around the world. We also go into all sorts of mysterious, weird stuff, paranormal encounters and UFO sightings, orbs, psychics, demons, spirits, you name it, we go there. I hope you've all had a great week and you're all managing to keep your spirits up in spite of the state of the world at the moment. It's hard to concentrate, it's hard not to feel anxious, and it's really hard to feel positive with all the doom and gloom out there. So come snuggle up in the bosom of Main FM and the loving arms of Yowie Central for an hour of something completely different, an informative hour of complete distraction. Some of you might know that to separate segments of the show, I've been using a couple of monster growl sound effects. Well, I, I bought a new bunch of Bigfoot sound effects, purportedly Bigfoot sound effects, recently, and I'm going to try some of them out over the next few shows. So let me know what you think of today's little samples. 
via yaoessential at gmail.com or via Yao Essential Facebook group. I have a fascinating show lined up for you, my friends. First up, we're heading to Mount Tibragagan in the Glasshouse Mountains in Queensland. James has some very interesting Yaoi and spirit stories to tell us from his childhood. And then later, we're heading to Wiseman's Ferry in the Hawkesbury River region in New South Wales for a water monster sighting and a couple of ghost sightings. There are a few sweary bits in these interviews, so time to turn down the volume if that might offend you. First up, here's James. My first Yowie encounter actually goes entwined with my very first use of the Ouija board at the same time. Oh, interesting. Well, why don't you tell me everything from the beginning is in as much detail as you can remember? All right. Um, first off, I've got like ADHD. From the age of five to 16, I was on ADHD medication. I would just get bored of things and interrupt the class, you know. So I had to be on this medication all the time. And my dad took me away when he found out my mother was getting remarried because there was nothing to, you know, there was no law or, what you know, court documents of custody. So I'm eight years old living at Glasshouse Mountains, which is kind of like rural area. You'd know Glasshouse Mountains from all the other accountants. Yep. And it's just across the road from Tibrigargan, Mount Tibrigargan. And we lived on Bowen Road. And I was seven or eight. So to, to the 95, I'm 35 now. So so going back a bit. And um, we used to get on our bikes, me and two other kids that lived at the property. They were both Indigenous. And we used to get on our push bikes and ride to the boring just to escape our parents of the afternoon. But mind you, there's a pine forest either side or one side and then the rest is blank where the, the boar ring and there's the pine forest beside it. So we're just like sitting on the frames of our bikes, you know, when you kick your bike down, sitting on the frame of the bike and have my buck back to the scrub and the two other boys, I won't name them, one was young, younger than me by one year and the other one was older than me by two years. So he was 10 the other one was just say six, pretty sure it was six to eight. I was, oh, sorry, I was seven to eight at the time. I'm sitting there, next minute I hear a rock come woof, 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 flying past mine and my friend's head straight over the top of us. They, those two were facing the bush. Then my mum my used to install cast stereos for like 15 years. I've heard a lot of loud cast stereos in my life where you feel the bass before I've ever been to a concert because that's the only thing I could relate it to at that time because I never experienced from subwoofers and stuff like that. As soon as I've seen that rock fall past our heads and it was a big size rock, I hear this bellow and the bellow hit your chest and I just fight or flight, got on my bike and I rode as fast as I could. I was on looking back to see if the boys are with me, they're with me, and there's rocks getting thrown right in front of where I'm riding, but not – like it was right 
where I was tracing, like where I was going. So if I was going to ride into it, it was like it, it could hit me if I wanted to with rocks. But see, the thing that I remember is the pine forest was not that big back then because there were saplings on that side. You used to be able to see so far back to the next bit of the road where the pine forest, you know, because they have two lots of pine forests, if you know what I mean. There's a highway separating one lot. I'm fight or flight. I didn't look, look, only look back to see if they were there and just hear this thing screaming. I get back to the house. I'm white as a ghost. And Dad's like, whatever, mate, whatever. You know, you're just young kids. Don't believe anything. I go to the two kids. I'm like, look, what did you see? What was it that you seen? And he goes, man, I only think, right, it was orange. It was big. It was like orangutan. And at that time, there was a, Alma Park Zoo was a zoo, the only thing that was closest. So you're a child, and you, the only thing you can correlate this encounter to would be, oh, it's an escape orangutan from Alma Park Zoo. So, they, they, so they actually saw, they saw the creature. They, those two kids saw. Yeah, right. Saw. Saw it, and I, you know, pinned them up, like, not pinned them up, but you know what I mean, just hit them up, like, what? come on, man, tell me what it was, tell me what it was. And they're like, look, it was this. And I was like, yeah, wow. And it wasn't until Dean's podcast, the Trade Tools podcast, and hearing all the other encounters, I was like, holy crap, man, like, there's been other times where I've had rocks thrown at me in the bush and just passed it off as, oh, that's just weird, or hear knocks in the bush and stuff like that and never correlated it to what it could have been or what it might be. Just always shrugged it off as, yeah, you know, but now more aware of things. And You mentioned in that uh, message to us that your neighbours were noticing like sweet potatoes going missing and, yeah, and the so boy's I grandma. Gonna, I was going to say that, yeah. So the boy's grandma lived across the road. And she was Filipino, but her partner was an Indigenous bloke. And they had – she always had grew, like, all the, you know, star jackfruit and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The two boys being their grandmother told her about it, and he's like, yeah, we see him come in once a, once in a blue moon taking jackfruit off Harry, man. Yeah, you know. And we're like, whatever, like, when we first heard of it. But then after that encounter and then – we're over the back, the next property, because we sneak through, not sneak through, just walk through people's properties because everyone knows you're the kid from that property. You're not doing any ill. So you're just walking through the property. He's oh, come over here. He goes, you haven't seen any hitchhikers coming through here digging up my yams? And it was literally like three days after we had our encounter. And we're like, nah, nah, mate, no. Nah, it's probably an orangutan. He's like, yeah, right, whatever, mate. So you so, so actually said to him, oh, well, it was maybe an orangutan. <laughs> yeah, we're just, we're just seven or eight-year-old kids, you know. <laughs> well, he's like, he's thinking it's a hitchhiker's coming through. Because in the 95, you know, everyone was in a van and cruising around, you know, everywhere, I remember. And it wasn't really backpackers, it was Aussies cruising around, living, living it up. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind you know? doing that now. <laughs> exactly right. But, um... In saying that, like, there's another thing we used to see as young kids, and like I said, I'm like, you know, Disney trains you. When you watch a lot of Disney crap, you don't really realise a lot of things. I never seen a firefly till I was, like, 20, 29. 
And what I thought were orbs, well, what I thought were fireflies were actually orbs. Seeing orbs come through the creek towards from Mount Tubigargan, come through our dam and then fly all the way straight the same direction as the boring when we were kids. What colour? They were just like white, glistening, glistening like a dull light, like a, like a light bulb. And do you remember how big they might have been? They look like, you remember the old par- coloured party lights? Yeah. They're like that, like that size. And they had like, you know how you look at a bright light, sometimes you get like three auras off it, like the spectres of light. But the thing is they look that dull that you're looking at it going, why is it producing those three big bright lights? You only get that from a bright light. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, right. And how many times did that happen? Not very once in a blue moon, but it's until once again, until you till I got older and seen a firefly, you're like, Whoa, okay. In correlation to the Ouija board, when I was younger, when I hit thirteen, one of I don't know why, but one of my friends' mums like, Yeah, my mum showed us how to do this when we were kids. So I'm in grade seven, we're like, yeah, all right. Like really interested in it, as you as you can imagine. Always interested in the unknown. So I started doing this Ouija board, and fair enough, we connected with someone, and we're like, do you know, the first thing we ask is, who who do you know on this board? And it's been my first Ouija board. Boom, the cup goes straight over me. I'm like, oh, right. And then I'm like, oh, what's your name? And then he gave me the name of one of the boys that I didn't even know had passed that was with me on the encounter that day. Right, now, but, he, but he had actually passed. He found out later. Yeah, I didn't know that he'd passed. Oh. Now, the next day I call up my father. And I'm like, Dad, hey, what's going on with old mate? Have you heard from him? He goes, oh, yeah, man, he died like two years ago in a motorbike accident on the farm. I was like, okay. <laughs> right here. <Right-y-o. laughs> that spirit that you think was that one of those boys was there, what did he have to say? Anything? Nah, at that time I was kind of freaked out yeah. and that was my first experience and got off it, you know, it was pretty pretty weird. Yeah, pretty scary. Being being 13, you know, then later along in life you learn not to play with those things because unless you know how to close them properly and open them properly, you're invoking bad things, you know. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're not a toy, not a toy no. at all. You the Milton to... Bradley sure, sure thought they were. Right. <laughs> Milton Bradley. <laughs> Who's Milton Bradley? I don't even know who the, that is. The game company who made like Monopoly and stuff. Oh, I'm yeah, right. Sure they, they picked up and made the plastic version, you know. Oh, my God. And put it out as a kid's toy <laughs> in the 70s and 80s. That's hilarious. Yes, I do vaguely yeah. remember that. I've got a picture of that in my mind, but far out. Yeah. Here, kids. Here, kids. Play with this. <laughs> Fast forward, I ended up going to Boys Town. Which is a boys' school, right? Yeah, yeah, boys, boys' school where it's like all the long-term foster place kids who are like the badass kids. The naughty go, boys. And you got a school there, yeah. and you board there. You have all cottages there. We had Mister O'Reilly, Luke O'Reilly. He was Bernard O'Reilly's son who found the Stinson. Mm-hmm. Ash from O'Reilly's, and he would always go on about, yeah, yeah, he's a real mystical creatures, blah blah blah. And then you know you go on the you go on the rabbit hole and you go through the look of Yowies, and then you find old old documentaries from 
just say the nineties, and I remember one of the bloke who plotted out the forest rainforest walk that they did for O'Reilly's, and just the media's plug, you know, even now, like what they did with Dean, you know, they still, oh yeah, look at these guys, they're doing this, and then it's just putting the piss take on it. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's they would still do it, like pathetic. they were doing yeah. it worse back then, but yeah. like. Here they got this old fellow who's been living in this bush and plotting out a rainforest walk for the last ten years, and at the end of the interview, he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, he's here and here. They have stuff with me all the time, and they're just laughing at him." I speak to a couple of people, and you don't want to tell people about it, but there's other people that you know. I do labour hire work, so I only work with people for one day, so I can spin them out and tell them some things and then leave. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I've worked with a bloke who's an international truck, well, national truck driver and has done for many, many years. And we're working with a suck truck. And this old guy's worked all over Australia and pulled in anything, you name it, he's pulled it. And I was sitting there with him with a bunch of young fellas, to say four blokes, two of them, three of them were young, and then there's another young bloke. They've all worked, most of these blokes worked with this old bloke for like eight years apparently. And here I come in there and I'm like, oh, so what's the, what have you seen in the Pilliger? <laughs> and they're like, they're, all the young blokes, Pilliger, what's that? And I'm like, oh, just hold up. Just listen to what he has to say. And he goes, oh, yeah, the Pilliger. I'm like, okay, what have you got to say, mate? He goes, I've been chased by a light in there. I'm like, interesting, tell me more. And he said that he went up over a crest near Coon and Barabin, coming up through there, and that's where he got chased by a light. The light come up beside him, did a U-turn over a hill, come back towards him and then did a U-turn and then kept with him for ages. And I'm like, oh, what else do you have you done? He goes, one time I pulled up and he goes, it's, it's a lot changed now because the scrub's a lot further away from the road, so apparently there's a lot less encounters. And he goes, one time I pulled up in like the 80s and I goes, oh, I was walking around to check the tyres and he goes, I just knew something was watching me. I just knew something was there and I got out of there and I was just like looking at the reaction on all these young blokes that would have, if I had said it anything, they would have said, you're full of shit, mate. Like, you're absolutely full of, full of it. But the fact that there's someone that they trust and know can sit there and blurt out that type of stuff and it's just like yeah yeah there are people out there that are willing to say it but you know <laughs> not that many and it, it, it's quite incredible that you that it was the pillager you were talking about because i've spoken to several truck drivers now who yeah it's it's well known that you don't stop in the pillager yeah now. and he said he that's exactly what he said and he's just like having that bike there who's had that bloke's all those guys back for eight years, the old bloke that they always listen to for a good yarn, and when he pulled that story out, it was pretty <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, so yeah. I, I backed um, it up with mine. But, um, absolutely. Yeah, going, going back to Boystown, apparently the place was um, built in Aboriginal burial ground or land, so-called, so I was being told, but then it was hush-hush, do you know what I mean, because – They'd take the land back or whatnot. But and the hall, we had a big hall, and like the, the hall was pretty large. It had a basketball court in it, wooden wooden floors with a stage and, yeah, a mezzanine each side and a climbing wall in the back where you could climb up and down for, like, abseiling and stuff. That's how big it was. 
And we'd walk past it, go into activities at night or go and visit the other boys in the other cottages. You'd hear a piano playing. You'd hear balls bouncing. And nobody there? Yeah. Yeah, right. Now, (laughs) the other thing is having Indigenous kids there, right? I had a mate there. He was from Kalamala. And he was my arch enemy. Me and him used to fight all the time. Don't know why. But he was an Aboriginal bloke from Kalamala. And he used to talk about pretty much he used to say little brown fuzzy things at the mission used to come up and steal steal all the colourful things off the clothesline. At that age of 16, you know, I'm in grade 10 and stuff. And I'll be honest, I was brought up. We are in our age group and don't know why, but we are brought up not to be very nice towards Indigenous kids. I went out with Pete to Kalamala one time to go hang out with him and his family out, at the, out there, and they would say, yeah, come in at night. And you're like, why? And they'd be like, certain things happen at dark. I would pass it off as, yeah, mate, that's a full whole bunch of piss, even though that at this stage I just didn't, still didn't realise that my encounter was an encounter. I thought it was still a, an El, what is it, a orangutan from Elmer Park Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then even the orbs and shit, I still didn't realise that, that what they were. It was until this is where it gets a bit dark and a bit gloomy. Until I hit 18, I ended up spending two weeks' time in jail to get sort of lesson, taught a lesson from the judge. And I ended up in Grafton. But while I'm sitting, before I'm ended up in Grafton, I'm at the watch house in Tweed Heads, and I'm only 18, I was like 40 kilos, like 5'6". I was like pretty much bait. Mm. And these boys in the jail cell said to me, they go, bro, you need to say that you're Koori, otherwise you're going to get chewed up and spat out. I'm like, why? What, what happens if I say I'm Koori? And they go, because you're a young fella, they'll put you in the mission in a sleep out with two elders and three lads. I think it was two bunk, three bunk beds, so six guys. So it was like two, maybe three older fellas or, you know, I can't really recall. Anyway, we got thrown in this cell. I get put two in this cell with the two elders and three bunk beds. One night, one of the younger boys who was sleeping above me, I got woken up to him screaming. And if you've ever seen a black fella's face go white, but before that, he's in the bunk above me. He's hollering and screaming like a banshee, like someone has got him. And I mean like someone has like pinned him down and got him. Mind you, I'm waking up and looking at the bunk above me, and I'm watching it get pushed down at least a foot and a half like someone's putting pressure on him. I look around. There's nobody beside him. There's no physical possible way that that person could be getting pushed in that bed unless someone was on top of him i get up spring up out of the bed look at his face he's completely white he's panning like in shock like oh, oh, oh. i turn and look at the elders they say go to bed we'll talk about it in the morning but like, no no me being intrigued is what i am I'm like, what's going on what's going on like he's just been punished mate I'm like this is white man punishment this cell. he's been punished by you know he never got his punishment and now he has and then that's when my views kind of changed after seeing that. Yeah. Did they, and they didn't explain who was doing yeah, the Yeah, in the morning, in the morning they explain, you know, we have different punishment to you. Like they even knew they they knew 
that I was, you know, wasn't a curry, and they knew that they were protecting me in there. They knew. They asked me straight away, and they go, "That's all right. We understand." But the way that they explain it is white men's punishment is a cell until they're tribal people because they come out from northern New South Wales out west ways and some of them until they get punished by their spiritually they're they're on the run by the spirits Uh and I was like okay fair enough and that's all I got told at that time now later on oh this is only going back four years ago um, I started going out to parties in the bush Loud music, people going out and doing parties in the bush. One of my friends, hippie friends, she's like, come out to northern New South Wales up Mount Warning. I'm like, yeah, right. And we get to this party and she's like, nah, this isn't a good vibe. These guys are not very nice people and, you know, they're on the the ice and whatnot. I'm like, yeah, maybe not. So we're like, we get out of there and we're like, we'll just go camp up on the hill. Mind you, it's dark. We don't know where we are. We just take up a road, keep going up the mountain a bit, up the hill. Mind you, I have no idea where I am. I don't know the area whatsoever. And we, we get into the bush, and we're with another friend of ours, and we're like, oh, we'll just set up camp here. So I set up a fire, pull over, went into the bush just a little bit, only like three, four metres, a bit of a clearing dirt. Right, we set up a fire, we set up a camp, all right, this our little pop-up tent, and we're sitting there having a couple of drinks. And then next minute, we hear this kitten meowing. The chick that's with me, she's pretty in tune with stuff. And I'm like, hmm, that's a bit odd. Like a baby kitten, like, meow. Unless some feral cats has, like, had a litter in the bush, that shouldn't be here, you know? The guy that's with us is fascinated with cats, absolutely crazy about cats. He gets straight up. He starts running, right? And we're still sitting down. He starts running over the noise. And next minute, oh, I hear that noise go, bing. It's not where it was. Within three seconds, it's 15 feet over that way. And the chick that I'm with is like, oi, buddy, don't go, man. Don't go. I'm like, yeah, oi, bro, come back. And he's like, no, no, I want to see. He gets halfway to where he thinks that sound is. It's another place. I'm like, bro, get back here now. Get back here now. We're just going to chill. We're just going to do the night in, and we're just going to sit here, and then we'll leave in the morning. We wake up in the morning. If he had have gone to the next noise, he would have been over a cliff. We were being sung to by something. Far out. And it was the same the same pitch? Like you, you don't know, you don't think it was yeah. maybe a different I did like three different creatures, or it was one creature. Nah, it, was, with it was someone. It was like I've heard after hearing stories of it before, and like I heard of stories of being sung to before of experiencing that situation, mm-hmm. but noticing that there was no bush noise, no nothing in between when the noises switched over to their different locations. Yeah, that's like that's impossible for it to happen. Even if it was a kitten and it was running through the leaf scrub on the ground, you know, you would still hear something. <laughs> yes. You don't hear a single thing. And it, and what, five or four, sorry, four different cats planted in all different areas going off at different times as soon as you approach them. Yeah, that'd be pretty extraordinary to have that happen. <laughs> 
then if the other one that you went to was out, well, was it hovering (laughs) over the cliff, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, so, you know. Now, there's definitely something weird going on there. But, yeah, like, ever since a kid, we're just wired differently, like, you know, I walk into a room and try to look for an exit in case something happens, but nothing will ever happen. (laughs) I'm just, you know, (laughs) or I walk into a room and, yeah, so. ADHD makes you your brain is wired differently. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I like I already know some some things are happening before they happen or some say it's like empath kind of, but Yeah. Yeah, I know I know situations are getting dicey before they happen. I can get out of there pretty quick. Yeah. That's cool. Well, James, thanks so much. That was a fascinating chat. Yeah, yeah. I was actually interested in um you know that Joel guy that you're speaking to? Yeah, Joel Prince. Yep. No, he's like in with the spiritual stuff and stuff like that. Very much so, yeah. Is he in Queensland at all? Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, I just feel like, um, I know I've never had a break from, well, you know, I've always felt I've always had something there, you know, after doing these Ouija boards. Uh-huh. You know, and like there's been instances, you know, where uh, they're just, you know, instances where you think, Surely not. You can't just keep happening like this, you know, like you kind of have a Klingon <laughs> flicking your plate over, you know, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you just pull it out of pasta and next minute there's something's happened. Not to that extent, but if you know what I mean. Yeah. I know I'm just like, yeah, it's hard to approach people about these things and trying to find the right person who, who has an understanding of them. So you wanted you wanted to talk to him just to to find out a little bit more about what's been going on for you that maybe he's got some insights into. Um... Yeah, well, he could point me in someone maybe local that can give me some, some you know, riddance of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Or anything that I can do for myself, you know. To, to get rid of it or to enhance those abilities? Oh, I'm talking about like... N- I'm talking about get rid of the bad, the bad things that I have attached to me, kind of thing. Ah, okay. You feel you feel like you've got a bad attachment. Okay. Yeah, on. yeah, and never been able to get rid of it. <laughs> oh man, we could send we could send Joel's brownie over there. <laughs> yeah. That, I don't, I don't, did you hear his episode on my show? Because uh, I think yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. He has a, yeah. a Junjadi spirit. Who, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who yeah, he was right. he was gifted. He's Aboriginal, but he was gifted this Junjati spirit to help him get rid of a negative attachment that he'd he'd picked up. Um yeah, right. but he would he would definitely be a guy someone who could give you some advice. I'll I'll yeah. write to him and ask if he doesn't mind that I give you yeah, no, his, his number or my mate's grandfather used to say to us when I was sixteen and they they looked after me, eh? and they used to say to me he used to say to me, he was white, he was full white hair, but had the huge nostrils, and he used to be like, yeah, mate, I used to talk to a brown jack all the time, like, he used to, like, be there after school and whatnot, and I'm like, whatever, Grug, you're full of it, stop being speaking crap, <laughs> and now that, and it really sucks, because now that these people are gone, and you're like, I wish I took no more notice, I wish I listened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you can't yeah. apologise to them for being an idiot, no, can you? you can't. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm you would dead set be carrying on and getting angry at you, and you'd be like, "No, shut up, get away from me! I don't want to hear you garbage." <laughs> and now you're like, "Oh, I just wish I listened just for that five minutes," you yeah. know? 
Yeah, I'm hearing oh, yeah. that. But you're listening now, which is good, and you're exploring it now, which is which is yeah, important. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I'll um I'll get in touch with Joel and see if he doesn't mind um having no, a chat no. with you. All right, and I'll um yeah. pass you on his number or vice versa. All right, no worries. Beautiful, James. Thanks so much. Thanks very much. You take care. And if you do, if you do have anything weird ass happening and and you need to talk to someone, please call me as well. Um, you got my number now. Um, yeah, no dramas. Well, thanks heaps for that, and all the best for the future endeavors. Hey, you too, mate. Take care. See you later. See you Bye. Bye. That was James from Mount Tibragargan in Queensland. You're listening to Yowie Central on the best little station in the nation, 94.9 Main FM. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Next up, we have Greg from Wiseman's Ferry on the Hawkesbury River in New South Wales. You might remember an interview I did back in episode 49 with Stuart, the Hawkesbury River punt captain, who saw what he described as a creature similar to the Loch Ness Monster. My next guest, Greg, also saw a fast-moving water cryptid that He's certain was not a shark, was not a whale, or any other known marine wildlife. Greg has a couple of fascinating ghost stories too, so here's Greg. If you saw a large, fast-moving creature in the Hawkesbury River, where we've also had a report from uh, Stuart, the the, the uh, punt captain of a water monster that looked had the shape of Loch Ness, like the the, the head shape, um, and that and that sort of like an M shape of the body coming out of the water, curving out, arcing out of the water. And you very kindly were listening to that and contacted me and said that you'd seen something, something maybe similar. But big water monstery <laughs> in the Hawkesbury. Do you want to tell me about it? It was only um, brief. Like I lived there for nearly twenty years, and I fished the river a lot. And this was, you know, the Wiseman's Ferry is probably about fifty k's in from the ocean. I always went towards the ocean when I went fishing, and it took about half an hour to get out there. And 
as I was going past Brooklyn towards Juno Point, which is the turn towards the ocean, Lion Island is sort of the um, island at the opening, and this large shadow went under the boat, and I would have been going tw- probably 25 knots. I was moving, and it went straight across, and there's um sort of came from, if you know, well, you'd have to Google Earth it, but where Brooklyn Marina is, directly opposite, there's a little sandy um, sort of, uh, you wouldn't call it an island, but at low tide you can see it. And behind that there's a bay. And it came out from that bay and shot across sort of the main stream of the river and headed towards another bay where they um, they moor one of the, the big barges that they use on the river. And also up it goes up towards Cowan Creek, um, another sort of bay off, off the main river. It'd have to be 30 foot long. It was a lot bigger than my boat. And my boat was 18 foot. And it was flying. And the, the water's only 10 metres deep. But, you know, 10 metres, you can see everything. And, um, yeah, it was probably about twice as wide as a large shark. It looked like a large shark, but not the pace it was going. And, and I've never seen a shark in there anyway. When Stuart mentioned that, what he saw in Wiseman's. I remember that um, winery at Maruda that had the fossil of this animal downstairs, like it was a, a sea-bearing animal, and it did look like Loch Ness. You'd have to actually try and find out if there's any images, maybe even ring the winery and see if you can take a photo of it, considering it's COVID. So the, this is daytime, right? Yep. Middle of the day. Is the water, because I'm not familiar with that river, is the water clear? Yeah, majority of it. It's that area is all all ten meters, pretty much right off Sydney is ten meters for a long way, and that bay and Brooklyn um, is all ten meters deep and very clear water. You can see, yeah, you know, your fish while you're catching it. And do they get they do they get sharks and seals and things like that up there anyway? Or you, you said no, too the, far inland. Well, not where I saw it. No, it was right near the ocean, so you could get sharks there, but. I've never heard of a shark sighting in that area and it's trawled by um, fish netting every day and surely they would have caught something or pulled anything up and um, there's never been any you know, photos on the news of any sharks caught in the net. So, yeah. But this was huge. This was a lot bigger than any shark. You know, this was like a small whale. What colour was um, it? A dark grey. If it was a shark, it'd have to be like a metre and a half round. Right. It was quite fat, but it was really long and really fast. And sharks kind of sent, you know, have a fin in the surface and wander. And I've seen sharks off Fraser Island and they, on the bottom and they sort of just dawdle around. They don't do too much. And this was, this was moving. This was, had a mission. Do you think what you saw was just the back of the creature? You didn't spot a head or any other feature? It was just a... I couldn't see if it was like what Stuart said. To me, it just looked like um, like a massive torpedo. But, yeah, there was no long neck. It was just like a big round missile-looking thing. That, But, um, yeah, never seen it since. I've actually never heard of anyone talk about it till I... Heard Stuart's thing, and then I remember that winery had the fossil of that 
which wasn't as big as this. The one in the winery is only probably two metres long. And they, but, and they found that fossil while they were building the winery? or Yeah, digging for the cellar. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, and they've got it all littered up under lights behind a glass cabinet so you, know, you can see it for anyone that goes there, but obviously no one can go there at the moment. I wonder how old the fossil is. Is it a like a true dinosaur? It looks like it. It's, it, it probably resembles what I saw more than what Stuart saw in the shape of the fossil is. Okay. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I'm sure you'd be able to find it. I can't remember the name of the winery, but there's only one winery on Wisdom's Ferry Road at Maruta South. When you, when you saw it, did it get past you really quickly? Oh, yeah. It was going much faster than your boat, right? It went right. In front of me, because I was looking, I'm always watching. I stand up when I'm in the boat and I always watch to see what's in front of me in case there is something there. And, um, yeah, it went in front of the boat, so it didn't go under the boat. It went in front of the boat, but, yeah, way faster. I, I said to the other people in the boat, I said, you all see that? And uh, they weren't looking the same direction. They were looking backwards. And they were just looking at, you know, the scenery and I was looking at the water. So, but, no, I've – um, I – Never heard of anything. I, I should ask my dad because he fished around that area when I, I was a kid and before me. He's never mentioned anything. You probably think I'm nuts. <laughs> well, maybe he hasn't mentioned anything because he thinks other people will think he's nuts. <laughs> yeah, and his his brother would know if anything because his brother lives in Woiwoi, which is really close to that area and still does and has his whole life. And he's uh, a big fisherman. Yeah, right. But, um, Woi Woi yeah, they're in a notorious area for Yowie sightings as well. Well, funny you mention that. I went on a camping trip from Wiseman's with a bunch of mates and we took five or six boats. There was 19 of us all up. There were two girls and and we went um, up this creek, which was Murramurra Creek, and there's been Yowie sightings up there. So I found out on... Um, Online, I don't know if it was your side or if it was on one of Dean. I know I can believe it because I saw a ghost up there. Oh, really? And yeah, um, well, on the second night when we were sitting at the campsite, and then I'm looking and reading, and then um, at the exact same campsite, they were doing Yowie research, and I went, You're joking. <laughs> Tell me about the ghost you saw. Yeah, well, this is a good story. This was. Um, I went there. I went there first with a whippersnapper to, you know, clean up the whole area and make it all good. Because the only way you could get in was by boat, other than a really serious four-wheel drive track from another suburb. You can only get in up at high tide because low tide was impossible. You could walk across the river at low tide. You could walk across it at high tide. You know, you just get up to your shoulders. It was the second night. Me and another bloke were still up. It was about eleven o'clock around the campfire, and where all the boats were situated there was a little sandy beach uh, a small embankment and then um up to where we were all sitting and this guy had just walked up from in between our boats really tall skinny guy long pants and long shirt walked up the embankment and went behind one of her mate's tents i said to seb he was looking um in a different direction so he saw it out of his peripheral vision but i was looking straight at it and I said, did you see that? And he goes, I saw something. And anyway, I got up and went behind um, Mick Keel's tent. And I said, there's no one here. And he, by this time, everyone started to wake up because they heard me talking. 
And I said, I swear I just saw a ghost and they're all laughing. And I saw this guy so clear. It was like looking at a person. It was so clear. The next morning, the guy that organised the camping trip knew the area. And he said, oh, there's a couple of graves over here. And I went, really? you got to take me there. So we went over and we found lumps and a few rocks where was remnants of headstones. And anyway, when I got home, I Googled it. It was called um, Smuggler's Run. And back in the day when they were building the Great North Road, the, the red coats were um, obviously, you know, watching over the convicts. They used to trade rum back in the day and they couldn't get rum up the, the Great North Road because it was so far from Sydney and there was no settlement other than Sydney. They were still finding their way to, to find the Hawkesbury River. They used to go up this Murramurra Creek, camp where we camped because there was a toilet block and a, uh, it's now a national park area and all that. And they walked through the creek and up the mountain on the other side and that was Canoolands Road and that led straight to where they were their their camping area was and they used to smuggle rum in for the convicts. But obviously one guy didn't make it. Right. <laughs> well maybe two, because there were two graves. And this ghost must have been one of them. But I never knew of anything until I went home and researched it and he never told me there were graves. We never knew. And all of a sudden in the middle of the night I'm just seeing this ghost walking. <laughs> what so can you describe the ghost for me? What was what did the face look like? Oh, he's walking side on. He sort of I only saw his face for a split second. He just looked like a normal guy. Um, yeah, dark hair, long grey shirt, long sleeve grey shirt, and long grey pants. Which I don't know what convicts wore back then, or even if this guy was maybe a free settler and just you know doing them a favour. He was really skinny. And he would have been six foot three or four, wait, I'm five ten, he was heaps taller than me. And just walked as if that's his normal routine. They must put their boat where we had our boats, walked up to right where Mick had his tent, and that would have been where he stayed. And did you see any expression on the face? No, no, just a neutral look, probably sad look, but a neutral look. He didn't look at me. He just looked and did his thing. So it was like I wasn't there. But it was only probably, oh, I don't know, 10 metres maybe away from me. Yeah, right. And seemingly solid and real. Oh, yeah. I thought it was a person. Yeah. But then I thought, how could someone get up because it's low tide? And I would have heard the boat. And it was a long way up from the main river, so you would have heard the boat coming for ages. And I thought... How did he get here? Because there's no other way getting in. The only other way was from behind us, and that's where the track started. And you're four-wheel drive only, and you wouldn't walk it. You'd be crazy. And you checked back up at um, your mate's tent, and there's nobody there. Yeah. Yeah, right. And I caused such a ruckus that everyone woke up. And, <laughs> I don't blame you. And, yeah. And they, they were, I, copped, I copped some crap for ages after that. <laughs> and uh, because I always remember, you know, we called it Camp Runamuck. And, um, <laughs> you know, we were there for what, three days and two nights and, you know, nearly 20 of us. We had fun. But, um, yeah, they always remember, oh, that's where Greg saw a ghost. And then they laughed. <laughs> so you've been back but, to the um, same place since then? 
we always planned on going back, but we never did. But um, I have been down there four-wheel driving once, but I never made it. That's how bad I know it is. But, no, it was only that day, the next day, that we went looking for the graves, and that was our final day there. And, no, we never went back. But that's when I looked at all I was just listing of going through, because I think I've heard and watched everything on Dean's site now. <laughs> And that's, um, and that's some feet. There's a lot of there's a lot of hours. Uh, yeah, but then, then there was a lot of Yowie research, and they had video um, there too. And there was movement in the bush. There were two camps. They had another guy camping. I don't know if he was part of the research team, but camping probably thirty meters away. And they all got up and all heard it. And then I went, "You've got to be kidding." And there's, you know, and they reckon there's something with the paranormal and Yowies and thought, well, there was ghosts there and there are graves there. You saw something on Dean's website about exactly the place you were camping. Yeah, I'm, yeah, sure, right. I'm sure, sure it was one of Dean's, yeah. Cool. Because, yeah, it was Mara Mara, so just look up Mara Mara on Dean's. I'm sure it was that. Okay, I will. I don't think I asked you. What year was when you saw the River Monster? Or river something. <laughs> we don't know what it is. What year was that? Well, oh, it would have been about 07. Okay. And and the ghost, when was that? It would have been a bit before that, probably about 05. When, when I was young, we moved to um, a property where everyone was new to the area. There were no streets. We all had our land pegged out. And mum and the neighbour, Byron, got on quite well. And anyway, he ended up dying of cancer in the house. Mum went over there one day after the new owners had moved in, and the new owner, her name was Marjane, and she was a, a clairvoyant. And mum started getting into that a little bit, but she kind of was a bit into it before then anyway. But she went into the house one day to see Marjan and there was a dog in the lounge room lying on the rug at the bottom of the staircase. This was a two-story house. I know it well. And um, Byron died in the bed upstairs. And anyway, when mum walked in the door from the laundry into the kitchen, the dog jumped up and started barking at the door leading up to the staircase. And Marjan said to mum, do you know Byron? And mum just goes, how do you know? Byron's here to see you. <laughs> and mum, mum freaked out. <laughs> Did she? <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's when I thought, well, maybe there is something else. So I've never believed until, you know, mum said that and then I saw my own. I went, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> there are spirits. <laughs> yes. and, but, yeah, that was the only, um, that's the only other encounter I ever had. Uh, Fire Brigade never gave me any creepy ones. Oh, <laughs> which is probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite fascinated by it all now. And um, since I've moved up here, I've tried to find if there's any um, ghost tours or anything around here because um, the Yowie research doesn't seem to be much. Where, where and, are you um, now? Where are you now? Near Port Macquarie on the mid-north coast. There was a sighting in Kempsey, which is close to me, but that was oh, a yeah? long time ago. Yeah, Dean's done that one near Coffs Harbour. Ah, oh, right. Yeah, Coffs Harbour. Well, there's quite we, we we get a lot of reports from around that Coffs Harbour area, but whether there's anyone actually going out researching there, 
Not yeah, sure. I did put something on, um, oh, I don't know if it was your site. It might have been another one to see if there's anyone that wanted to go out trekking, but there, no one was near me. There were people who said Coffs Harbour is a, a pretty prime spot for it, but um, that no one replied that said, yeah, I'll come out with you and we'll go out looking. But oh, that's a I, shame. Um, the one that really got me is the girl that left Nambucca Caravan Park. Oh, bungle, um, bungle, bungle, yes. That's it, yeah, because that's, that's really close. Yeah, okay. There you go. That's, that, that's, you could get there by bush from where I live. That's yeah. got me inquisitive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to actually hear what truckies have to say because they, you know, do the night trips and they must see something and they just don't open their mouths and because they think they're nuts, but they must see something. Oh, there's... There's, I totally agree with you. There have to be hundreds, if not thousands, of stories out there of what truck drivers have seen. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Yowie-related, ghost-related, UFO-related. I mean, we could probably mm. you could probably do a show just on truck drivers <laughs> if you could re- manage to reach out to them and get them talking. But I, I guess it's, um, it's not always mm. easy to get people to, to talk up about these things, is it? Because they're afraid of being laughed at. Yeah, well, that's it. Like, I've, there was a couple of young people that were coming here, and we went up to um, near Coffs Harbour, and we had to go past the the bungle bungle. And um, I told them a story, and they're just laughing at me. And it, I went, "You just be careful up there." And my girl had to drive at night, and I mentioned it, and she goes, "Good on you." <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me that said, now. Well, yeah, I said, well, it can only do 105, I think. So if you do more than 105, you should be right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what the girl said. It was she was doing 105 yeah. and then it jumped over a car. And Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So as long as she's driving at about 130, she should be fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She couldn't even see. <laughs> I might just think, oh, God, I'm not going to catch that at this start. <laughs> oh, funny. But- it would be interesting. There are a few Facebook trucking sites. I wonder if you should get on there and see if anyone will um, talk to you. Yeah. God, I'd love to see a UFO. Me too. I think I saw one when I was a child. I think I saw one. Uh, and it was sort of a – I could see it travelling across the sky, no noise, fairly high up, but it had like a ring of lights around it that were moving as though I could only see the profile of it, but it looked like – it was round and the lights were sort of going around the base of it. Mm. But that's, yeah, right, eh? Yeah, but that was, you know, that's the only time and that was when I was little. I, I haven't seen one as an adult. But, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. What I'd like to buy actually is a um, an infrared camera because I've heard people have much better luck spotting them when they're using an infrared camera. There was, oh, what is that suburb? It's a New South Wales suburb, a small town. There's a guy that. It was on Netflix. He went out, a team went out there and they had all that night vision and they saw a lot. What is it's a It's a small town in the back of New South Wales. Everyone has seen UFOs in that town. I can't remember the name of it. Now. Yeah, right. <laughs> when I was speaking to Brent Thomas, who does the Paranormal Portal podcast from the States, he said he saw a UFO, but it was only when he put the infrared... Uh, night vision binoculars up to his eyes that he could see. Mm. He couldn't see it. As soon as he removed them from his eyes, he couldn't see it and then put the binoculars back up to his eyes and there it was. 
next on my shopping list <laughs> is a <laughs> is an infrared camera. How's your night vision one going? Oh, the one that you <laughs> or the thermal, the thermal is it? Yeah, it's a thermal one. It's great, but because the weather's been so foul and we've been locked down so many times, and my mm. partner's been really busy, really busy with work, so I haven't had a chance to go camping and just sit and feel, so I, I do a lot. I've been using it from my home, so I can I can see all the rabbits and the kangaroos and the possums, and um, but I haven't had a chance to take it out bush bush yet. So hopefully yeah. when it comes summer, when the weather's a little bit nicer, I'll, I'll be able to get out there a bit. Can you get them on a drone? I'm sure you so, could. I'm sure you could. Because that would be um, – because you, you had good distance too with yours, didn't you? Yeah, it's really good. It's, it, it, it's really powerful. It's, a, it's an expensive camera. We, we, Remember yeah. you found it was three and a half grand or something? Yeah, yeah, they retail for three and a half, four grand. It's a really cool tool. It's really fun to use. I'm looking forward to to getting out there and spending some nights in the bush looking at all the stuff. I've got 80 acres here and I'm on I'm in bush and my boundary state forests and I've always wondered what's lurking out there at night. Oh, yes. Oh, how <laughs> awesome. Like you need to get yeah. one of these cameras. <laughs> I know. I've been thinking about it. That's when I inquired to you how much it was. I thought, oh, I'd love to see what's out there. Yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. Probably scared the crap out of me and I'll lock the doors. <laughs> Maybe. Are you there by yourself or have you got a partner? No, nah, by myself with three dogs. Oh, oh well, the dogs, the, the, the dogs will let you know if there's something around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. Unfortunately, they're a bit like the boy who cried wolf. Uh, yes. <laughs> they, yeah, I got one that just barks at anything, and I go out all the time thinking, I don't know if there's something out there, and the other two just lay on the lounge. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got three as well, but and the oldest one, she's mostly blind and mostly deaf, but she can see enough that if she sees any movement, she barks, <laughs> but she's <laughs> which is really yeah. annoying, and she's and she can't hear me telling her to be quiet now, so because she's deaf. Oh. So, <laughs> so it's like, oh my god, shut up! <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is annoying. <laughs> yeah. So between her and and the big my big guy, my big shaggy guy, he's got the huge bark, and he, yeah. There's no there's no sneaking up on me, but there's also no taking any wildlife by surprise either. <laughs> That was Greg from Wiseman's Ferry on the Hawkesbury River in New South Wales. Remember, if you've had any strange or mysterious experiences and you'd like to come on the show and share your story with the Yowie Central listeners, let me know via yowiecentral at gmail.com or via the Yowie Central Facebook group. We're out of time for this week, folks. Yowie Central will be back next week. Same time, same place on 94.9 Main FM. I'll catch you next week. Stay safe. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch. Out in the night when
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.